Hey everyone, thanks for checking out KettleCast, a spot where you can come for discussion with technology consultants who have seen it all. Matt Leathers, our lead consultant here at Kettle, has over 15 years of experience working for some of the leading firms in the world. Today we are here to provide practical ideas based off our wealth of experience across all types of industries while hopefully providing some entertainment and advice. Welcome back to KettleCast. Today we are building off of last episode where we discussed build versus buy. Assuming we have chosen the buy option, there are a number of next steps involved in the vendor selection process, starting with contract negotiations. Matt, what have you got for us today? Thanks, Amanda. So as we talked about last time, there is this kind of decision point around whether to build out an IT or a technology function or to essentially buy one or uh, Lease is probably a better way to put it. Um, so the the buy option, assuming you're going down that path, um, let's let's again assume that you've taken a look at what your actual needs are. You've written them down. It doesn't have to be exhaustive. Just start with the top priority things. Um, you know the, that kind of of starting point will get you to a place where when you get proposals back or when you get contracts back to review you'll be operating with a, a magnifying glass or a lens to be able to make a wise decision and make a good judgment. Um, so again, you know, assuming you have uh, made a decision or looking at this decision the right way, and we gave you some feedback or some advice on how to uh, look at this the right way in our previous podcast, um, but looking at the questions and how to actually look at the contract or the proposal. Um, so, so first of all, when you're assessing a provider and you're determining if it's a good provider or a bad provider, in our experience, we've, we've seen a number of these contracts come across in a number of these negotiations and deals. Um, we have, and, and I have worked for um, large organizations that have tried outsourcing. It didn't work in terms of the quality of service dropped, uh, the costs actually rose, and so they've tried to pull back those IT functions. And there's this pendulum effect that happens where they realize, wow, that was really expensive. We should push it back out. And so they kind of start this back and forth cycle. Um, it's not particularly healthy. It's, it ends up being pretty destructive. And so when you're looking at uh, whether or not you want to do that um, and make that change in your organization and your business, um, that's that's really something you should not take lightly in terms of a decision. Um, you also need to be looking at the um, economic impact of one of these engagements and one of these arrangements. Because you're spending financial um, amounts, you're, you're spending money on a contract, that's money that you are not putting into um, something that you will retain and keep after the contract is over, whether it's a person or a resource or, or an asset, like a server or a piece of software. Um, so in the contract, three things to look for. First, looking for outcomes written in business terms. Second, having some incentives for uh, good performance, as well as incentives for, um, or, or almost punish punishment or punitive measures. Then finally, um, the third thing is looking at demand and a little more detail than we said previously in terms of your requirements. So let's dig into those. 
looking at the outcomes in terms of business language. If you've ever seen those advertisements for mobile phone providers, they talk about how they offer 99.999% coverage across the country. That sounds really good. But what happens if you are in that 1% or that 0.001%? If you can't get a signal when you need it, then is that service really effective? Did you get what you paid for? Particularly if that is an emergency call personally, um, but in terms of your business and your organization, if the vendor or the provider is talking in those terms and they're measuring the amount of time your your internet is up and running in your office, in your headquarters office, 24 7, 365, there reaches a point where that denominator gets so big that even if the internet is out for days at a time and everybody in headquarters is scrambling around using their mobile phones for backup access, that that's not even going to register on that commitment to be available 99.999% of the time. So measures like that are jargon. They don't really mean anything. So instead, look at what you need and what you want. Um, here's another good one. A lot of organizations, and we've seen contracts like this, where they will say, we will be responsive to you in a certain amount of time. Well, are you paying for the response or are you paying for resolution? Because hearing that they have your issue and they understand it and they'll be with you as soon as possible is immensely frustrating when you're trying to get work done and whether that's grow product or ship product or sell product. Um, if your sales staff has to pull out a mobile phone and use Square to swipe a credit card with their personal phone because your cash registers are down, not particularly helpful. Just ask Target about that, uh, what, last weekend when they lost their point of sale devices and their cash registers on Saturday and again on Sunday. We're talking about hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of lost revenue because people couldn't check out. So looking for and measuring in, in very clear terms, um, what are your outcomes? I want to be able to process transactions and I want to be able to do it 100% of the time during my primary store operating hours. That's a very clear business outcome and you can measure whether or not that is working. Um, the second piece, having some, some teeth in terms of the contract. We've seen a number of contracts from technology service providers that will offer um, incentives and credits if they exceed expectations but if they miss expectations, then there are no penalties. It seems very one-sided. So when you're looking over those agreements and looking over those contracts, we have, as Kettle, had to be in many situations. We are, we are the, the enforcement police on behalf of the client, where we are spending the time negotiating how things are going to be measured after the contract has been signed where we are trying to push uh, better performance and better improvement from a provider, uh, such as network management or somebody's service desk, because what they promised in the contract and what they promised in the agreement, like we'll fix everything in under an hour, 
well, you know, everything is a pretty aggressive target. We'd be happy if it was, say, 75%. But when the actual performance is closer to 10% of the time we can fix it, but 90% of the time we have to call up one of, you know, the internal IT people, what are we paying for? And if you're paying $30,000 a month to have only 10% of your issues resolved, boy, that is, uh, that is overpaying in our opinion. So looking for, um, you know, hard numbers and business language and then incentivizing good performance um, and putting in credits for bad performance. If they miss the target, you shouldn't have to pay. If your pizza shows up two hours late, are you going to pay for the pizza? Probably not. So why would you pay $35,000 a month, if not more, for poor quality IT services? So those are, are two ways that you can look. And let's look at a third. Um, look at demand. A lot of organizations, when they think about technology, they think about it in, uh, in the context of 24-7. And if all of those IT services and all of those capabilities are running 24-7, think about that in terms of, say, your power or your water bill. If the hose is on all of the time, that's going to be a very expensive water bill. And if you keep the lights on and you never turn them off, then what, what do you think that utility bill is going to look like? And you see that a lot in organizations that move to the cloud or move, move to software as a service solutions, thinking that they're going to get big cost savings here. But without reminding people that when they're not using the solution or when they don't need it to you know, turn it off or to not use it, then organizations often find themselves with more expensive costs when they transition to the cloud as opposed to lower costs. Um, but even if you're not in the middle of a cloud transformation or transition, looking at your costs and your needs for what are your operating hours? Because if you pay an organization to monitor your network and keep it up 24 seven, then that has a price tag that will have a premium on it. Um, now, whether or not you want to have that in place is up to you, but we think that organizations should look at their, their hours and put together and sculpt an agreement with a service provider that reflects where their peak demand hours are and um, build out the team and build out the agreement accordingly. So, for example, rather than 24-7 and just assuming that that level of staffing is needed, what if you looked at it and said, you know, we want to start up support at eight o'clock in the morning, Eastern time, because we have East Coast and Eastern time zone resources and, and offices. And we want to start winding down the support window at 9 p.m. Eastern time, because about 6 p.m. Pacific time, things get pretty quiet. And when I worked for American Express, you know, in New York and in Florida where we were working, it was very, very busy, you know, nonstop. But when I traveled to Los Angeles, about three o'clock Pacific time, it got really quiet. And that's actually when we got work done, um, which, is, which is fine. But 
tuning the demand and tuning the agreement to what are your business hours, what are your office locations, do they have the ability to put people on the ground? If, if things go horribly wrong, um, are they within a few hours drive? Um, or can they administer and help you remotely? Or are you on your own um, because they don't have staff in Toronto and the nearest staff is in Ottawa? Or they don't have um, capabilities in Los Angeles, but they do have capabilities in San Francisco. So understanding what your needs are, how fast you need them to respond, um, and when you need them to respond and, and work with you, those are, are key parts to how to structure a contract and structure an agreement that's more tuned towards your needs and your budget as opposed to um, kind of gold plating a contract um, in very broad, vague terms without any teeth in it uh, or enforceability and then without any consideration for what your actual needs are. So again, look at the outcomes that you want and put it in business terms. Put incentives and, and cap some of those incentives uh, so you are not getting caught with a, a surprise bill. And then finally, third uh, and final, looking at um, your demands and looking at what your needs are and starting with what are the hours of support? What are the hours where our team is busy uh, or our organization needs help? Um, starting with those, those things and those three lenses will help you put together a contract and structure an, an arrangement and an organization uh, um, that, and a cost structure that, that actually is going to work for you. All right. Thanks, Matt. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in today. As always, the episode page can be found through the show notes. Please go ahead and leave all questions and comments over there. And we'll be back next time.